There has always been a lot of connections between food and video games, from eating mushrooms and bin chickens to complex recipes involving finding the perfect ingredients in-game. Food has been more integral to gaming with... In my... Oh, I fucked that up, didn't I? Skip that. Don't worry. You never that part out, Tim. Yeah. I'll start... I'll give him a different timestamp. Hello there, folks, and welcome to this, the 87th episode of the Player 2 Pixelcast. My name is Matt Hewson, and I will be the host for this evening's Tasty Festivities. Joining me in this episode are two culinary experts, both schooled in the finest French techniques, ready to take your taste buds on a ride. First is one of my kitchen's prime sous chefs, Stephen Del Prado. How are you, mate? I'm quite good, although I, I don't think I can hold a candle to the things you've been putting on social media these past few days, I have to say. <laughs> well, that's that's actually how this topic came about, because it was on the mind. But uh, it's all right. We'll get, there. we'll get to food later on. Next is a man who is still reasonably new to the kitchen, but certainly knows his way around the oven. Jason, how are you, mate? I'm good. I certainly know my mirepoix from my... Uh... My Sue's, so it's all good. Excellent. Good. Uh, it sounds like someone did industry studies at school. <laughs> In case you haven't worked it out, we're talking about food, food in games specifically. There's a long history of food in games, and we thought it'd be fun to explore that history in tonight's episode. But first, we've got games that we've been playing, and we want to talk about them. Stephen, you have been surviving the jank of cyberpunk on playstation uh, 5 yes playstation 5 uh now that the supposed playstation 5 version is out although some of the textures in that make me question <laughs> otherwise um it's yeah cyberpunk's a weird one i bought it when it came out and obviously we all know they shouldn't have released it on the 360 or the, or the Xbox One and the PS4. <laughs> Felt like Lord, 360. That's how bad yeah. that game was. It was running the 360. But um, I, in disgust, I deleted it and I vowed not to touch it until they had uh, done it justice on my PlayStation 5 console. And now was the time. They'd uh, gotten that patch out. And although it frustrates me that that damn disc keeps trying to install the PS4 version every time I turn it on... Uh, it's, um, it's interesting. It's, you know, it's obviously, it's very different from the Witcher. And I think it probably didn't help, I guess, the, the prestige that the Witcher 3 brought, um, and CD Projekt Red's name being on it. Maybe some of us went in with expectations that couldn't necessarily be met. Um, it's a very different type of game not just because of the first-person perspective, but the way it plays out, it's got way more Deus Ex vibes than I had initially expected. Um, and it's I, I'm only a few hours into it, and I'm enjoying the story so far. Um, it does feel a little bit empty in some respects, like the world itself uh, is, I guess, maybe a little constrained more than I would have liked at this moment. But I guess probably I have heard that the first few hours are pretty on rails. So I'm expecting that once that opens up and I'm past that, it should be a little bit more exciting. It is but, an I mean, interesting can... game. Sorry? It is an interesting game. Like, it was certainly not my favorite game. I played it through on PC uh, and then played it again on Xbox. I haven't finished it again on the Xbox, but it is... It is worth playing, I think, but it's just, yeah, it just feels like a, a grander version of, say, Fallout, as opposed to what CD Projekt Red did with The Witcher, where they took the RPG forward. A genre-redefining RPG? <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, you know so you know what I mean? It's not the move forward that The Witcher 3 was. It's a good version of a game we've played before, I, I guess, is is probably where it sits, so... Which I guess, to be quite honest, most games are these yeah. days. They're a better version of a game we've already played, and we get so few of those genre-redefining games coming out anymore that I guess it probably was a little bit unfair, especially on my part, but obviously the general populace's part, to have such lofty expectations for CD Projekt Red to bring us something that's basically lightning in a bottle for most game studios. Yeah. Um, and expecting them to recapture that, I guess, is a little bit unfair. Uh, but what 
I mean, at the end of the day, CD Projekt Red Management has to own the fact that they basically trotted that thing out to die. There's yeah. there's no getting around it. No one of no, not a single person who made that decision was under any illusion that that was in a shippable state. But when you've got that many pre-orders, you're looking at the bottom line more than yeah. what's actually good for the customers. But it is good to be able to play it now and sort of see what they were going for without some of those weirdly hilarious glitches and just the general jank that comes along with, you know, these sorts of open world, multiple quest line, looping missions kinds of things. Yeah. I, how, I, long does it, how long did it take you to finish? Me? about. I yeah. think I played through about 26, 30 hours maybe. So it's not like That's the okay. world's biggest good. RPG at all. You could spend a lot more time no. doing... There's tons of stuff to do, and most of it, just like The Witcher, feels, you know, important enough to be worth doing. Uh, but, you know, it, it it's pretty optional. You you don't have to do any of that stuff. And by the, by the time you get to the 30-hour mark, you are certainly, like, leveled up enough to take on anything the game throws at you, so... That's good because, yeah. yeah, I feel like a lot has changed in my life since 2015 and pulling 180 hours out of my butt to play a giant open world RPG yeah. is not really on the card. So to hit that 30 hour mark and feel pretty satisfied and at the end game of it, that is a positive for me. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And, and it felt the right length to me as well. Like, I think after that, it takes, once again, a very exceptional game to justify itself for longer than 30 hours if it's a single-player story. Um, I think The Witch is probably one of the only ones that does justify it fully, you know? Um, so it, it was good to see them recognise that constraint, I think, uh, in the game. But uh, they, uh, you're going uh, to finish it? Did they end up with any DLC plans for it? or They are. There is, oh. uh, end of this year, two chunky DLC pieces coming. Nice. Because I, I didn't... I, I kind of stayed clear of it uh, mm. because I was a bit anxious about all the uh, messages that had come out about it and everything like that. And it was janky and broken and stuff like that. I'm like, um, you know, I'll wait and get it on PC. And just like with Fallout, they're like incredibly broken games, but modders and whatnot kind of fix it over time. So I was yeah. kind of hoping that that would happen. And I'm like, I didn't know if they, I know it had like terrible publicity. So I'm just like... Yeah. I didn't know if they were still doing the DLC plans, but if they are, that's fantastic. Yeah, they just uh, pushed them back, like obviously. Yeah. 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 Uh, uh, but to be honest, from I got it day one on PC and it worked. Like it had some problems, but it was certainly playable on PC. And uh, yeah, it didn't, didn't require me to like do any tricks or anything. It worked. You'd had some audio issues and things like that, but certainly not broken. Whereas the consoles, it's clear that they just never should have bothered with the Xbox One and PS4. They just should have put all their resources into the next-gen systems and PC. But obviously, those dollar signs talk. And uh... Yeah, when you've got, you know, 150-plus, you know, potential customers out there from that user base of the PS4 and the Xbox One and all yeah. its, you know, subsequent consoles, it's pretty hard to ignore. And we've seen a lot of big publishers doing that. And I think now we're hitting that point where they're starting to be more comfortable in jettisoning those last-gen versions. Yeah. We've seen it with Warner Brothers have done it with a couple recently with Gotham Knights and stuff like that. And, you know, that's a Batman game. So that's obviously going to sell, like, you'd presume well on whatever it releases on. So, you know, it it, it was, uh, they're obviously comfortable that there's enough systems out there now to make it worth their while. Yeah, I actually think it's kind of a shame that it released on even um, current gen consoles, next gen, I don't know what people call them now, the PS5 and uh, Xbox series x and what uh whatnot because i actually like knowing that those weren't like the same uh optimizations as the pc versions i almost and like knowing that there's a chip shortage and people were having trouble getting those consoles anyway it almost makes me kind of wish that they'd waited a year so more people got their hands on those consoles and um they had those chances to get those fixes in but again dollars they speak they speak volumes so yeah, but it is interesting. I, I reckon it's worth checking out. 100% worth it. It's, it's worth checking out. It's a good game, and it's got a good story, and a lot of very cool CD Projekt Red sort of stuff in there that's that a lot of developers don't do, and they do single-player really well, and this shows. It's just, you know, had a very rough history. So it's worth yeah. checking out. 
All right, then. Uh, Jason, you have been yes. uh, fighting gigantic monsters. I'm assuming on your mm. Switch or on your PC? No, PC. PC. He's got the PC version of the uh, yeah, Rise Sunbreak. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I had the troubled uh, problem of... Uh, I played it originally on Switch way back when, uh, yep. before the expansion came out, and then I migrated across to the PC version because why wouldn't you? Yep. Um, which is better in you know, pretty much every single way. Um, but I had to restart, which was not great because I had uh, almost 200 hours in Holy shit. on the Switch yeah. version. <laughs> um, so You're a true monster, that, that guy, are you? <laughs> yeah, I've played, I played pretty much all of them since um, Freedom Unite, so... Uh, on this on the um psp so i've been in this world for a long time um yeah it's uh it's a ton of fun honestly i'm absolutely loving it um i think that um we've got a hopefully we've got a uh, review discussion coming up pretty soon about it so keep an eye out for that of course a plug um but um yeah i'm i'm having a blast i was um i've been playing with a couple of groups of friends and we're we're having a ton of fun with it it's again better in every single way like when um when rise originally came out it was a bit it was very good but obviously the pandemic had had an effect on the development and it wasn't quite finished and it took about two or three months for them to get that extra content in um, this is a much more finished game. Um, they've added in a lot of really cool monsters, some of my fan favourites. I think there's about 17 new monsters on the whole, and then some other like uh, some other stuff to play around with that. And it's hard as heck. Um, mm. It's really, really challenging. Um, I've been it's all high-end, like seven-star well. sort of Yeah, stuff, it's all it? master yeah. rank, yeah. which is yeah. your equivalent of G rank. Um, yeah, it's... It's really difficult, um, but they've also been added in some really cool drip uh, in forms of really nice armor. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm super digging it. Are, are you the type of Monster Hunter player that waits until you've got the entire set of armor to, to wear it, or, or do you upgrade each individual piece as it becomes available? There's, this, uh, um, there's two schools of thoughts. There's the fashionista school of Monster Hunters and the people that just want the boosts as soon as they can get them. <laughs> I, I take the boosts as soon as I get them, yep. but thankfully there is a layered armor system which yep. you can put your glamours on and not affect it. It's actually a really cool system and they brought in from, I think World was the first game that brought it in. Um, unfortunately, all of the Master Rank glamours don't unlock until you've finished the game, Ooh. and even then you've got to fight really hard monsters to get the uh, stuff to make it. Um, so if you really, really like glamour, then uh, you're going to have to work really, really hard for it. Um, <laughs> have they have they expanded yeah, on the kind of tower defense sections of the game? Because I, no, I played it this on was the actually something... Yeah. yeah, the rampage mode. I was yeah. actually kind of bummed because I actually kind of like it. Yeah, um, it was a good I think it's break. It's a lot of fun. You know? and yeah, 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 just really break up that um, gameplay. But no, they didn't. I have fought through, um, I would say, almost everything the game has um, to offer, and I haven't seen a single rampage quest the entire game, which is a huge bummer. Um, yeah, I'm hoping. Yeah, I'm hoping they um, bring out some more in the future because there are some. Um, title updates coming out they've got uh, dlc plans or free dlc plans for the next um until the start of next year yeah. so hopefully it'll come in that but yeah no rampage to be seen unfortunately and there was one or two two new areas wasn't there for Monster yeah two new areas two. well technically three but yeah, yeah mostly two new areas yeah. um which are really really nice um a bit strange mm. um most of them they only have um one camp and they're um kind of more circular and broken into like smaller arenas kind of almost like a little throwback to previous games yeah. um how they were between the areas but um they're really really well designed they're really well made so that's really cool to see as well excellent cool well i'm i might dive in i, I got up to the seven star monsters mm. in the base game but never went any further so i'll probably get smashed if i try this <laughs> it's really hard um, and i only single player i'll never have time to book in a time to, to play with mates yep. so yeah um but cool i i, I like monster I, I was one of those people that came on board with monster hunter world um and and while I, I don't know that I enjoyed Rise quite as much as well because I, I really appreciated that, that kind of 
actual hunting and open worldness of yep. Monster Hunter World, which is obviously not here because it's been built with the Switch in mind and, and technical constraints. Um, yeah, I totally agree. I preferred World as yeah. well on myself. I don't. I don't really like the um, the. Uh, uh, wire bug mechanic. I think it brings a little bit too much more mobility than I'm kind of used to in my yep. Monster Hunter games. So it's it's fascinating to see, but it, again, I just kind of prefer that like more constrained world that was in world. Like it, world felt a lot more fleshed out, a lot more lived in. Yeah, sort of yeah, and the actually hunting the monsters, you had to you, mm. you know find them. Whereas in in Rise, I noticed once you found them once you always know where they are. You just look at the map and go straight there. So there's none of that kind of component to it. Yeah. It's a series I've bounced off every time. It's one of those, like Mm. I've played so many monster hunter games. I own monster hunter portable third, like the Japanese version. I've Mm. played that with the English patch on and like all the three DS games. And it's one of those series where every time I'm like, oh, maybe this will be the one. And I get the new Monster Hunter game and I play it for a few hours. I'm like, it's still Monster Hunter. Uh, World is the one where I haven't actually put any time in and that's when everyone says you should get into it. But I'm also worried because I know that if you get into Monster Hunter, you get into Monster Hunter. (laughs) You get into Monster Hunter for sure. Um, Yeah, I have seen a lot of people jump in at World because it is definitely like the one that's the most accessible. uh, It does a really good job of onboarding people. Uh, yeah, really does. Whereas the other games did not. <laughs> the other games throw you in at yeah. best. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. that that was the weird thing about Portable Third because it was probably the most beginner friendly of all of the PSP titles, and it yep. was the one they never bothered to release outside of Japan. Yeah, it was a real strange thing. I I didn't know if it was because of like the software piracy on the on the PSP by that stage, and I, it did come out on the PS3 as well. If I if I'm remembering properly, my yeah, memory is shittier in there. Monster Hunter was so popular, they were doing a lot of PSP to PS3 releases in Japan only. So to be, you know, you'd be playing Monster Hunter up on your PS3. Yep. Yeah, I mean, you could say the same thing about um, Frontier. Like, there was an entire uh, uh, online Monster Hunter. Ooh. With 15 expansions, if I recall correctly. Just never released in West. At all, which is a shame. I don't think it's up anymore, but yeah, it was a lot of Monster Hunter. If you were the people that were into Monster Hunter, they played that. Uh, they played Frontier, and it was a lot. Like I put hundreds of hours into every single Monster Hunter. Um, Are they doing World yeah. Two? No announcements yet. No, they, they, they haven't announced. Really I'm really assuming they will. It sold really well. Like mm. it, it was easily well, the highest selling. Like pretty much everyone's. Yeah. Like it, uh, it was went drug. above and beyond what they expected, I think. Um, mm. Cool. All right. Well, I've been diving into uh, another expansion as well, which is Outriders uh, World Slayer. Uh, so my review's already up on the website. I had a ton of fun with this game. I really quite enjoyed Outriders, the original experience. I thought it was marketed very poorly. And as a result, people expected something that wasn't, it you know i think there was this kind of perception that this was going to be a destiny style game whereas it's 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 much closer to gears of war or diablo in the way that it's a single player experience uh or a storied experience you can play a co-op um with you know a bit of end game content but but, you know the, the the bulk of it is in the 30 ish hour story of the original so i think this is a real chance for uh, people may fly. People can fly to kind of re- reboot the series a bit with this with this world slayer. Now that people know what it is and know what they're expecting, I don't think there's going to be that kind of nasty backlash that they got uh, from the first one with everyone complaining about end game content and all that sort of stuff. And I, which it was clearly not intended to be the main part of the game, where a lot of people thought it was. Um, so this, this game takes almost, uh, you know, it's probably, you know, a month or two after the events of the first game. And what I liked about it uh, is it really explored this kind of really cool world that they created. People Can Fly created this world called Enoch. And it has like this rich backstory that it kind of only just touches on in, in the main story. Um, predominantly that story is about a human versus human conflict on, on this 
world and you know we've done human versus humans let's find out about this cool world and that's what this this title does it really kind of explores the previous inhabitants of the planet and what happened to them and and I'll, I'll not spoil the original because i think a lot of people are going to go back and play it but there's there's a there's a kind of twist about three quarters of the way in uh when you find out what happened to the original inhabitants of the of the world and and that comes up in a big way here and they really explore that quite well and i found that much more interesting because they've clearly thought about this planet they've thought about its its previous inhabitants they thought about its culture and all this there's there's a lot of lore there and it was really cool to see that explored uh the actual gameplay itself is much more of the same like it's gears of war cover shooter but with superpowers uh that actually encourage you to get out of cover so it's a nice uh kind of play on the formula you don't just sit behind the um the cover and shoot at things you need to move a lot mobility is important your, your uh, abilities quite often don't fire from behind cover so you have to get out to use them and you heal by causing damage and using your abilities so it's really encouraging you to push forward it's really encouraging you to to use your abilities there's really quite quick timers on your abilities too so you you can't just spam grenades for example but you don't have to wait long before they come back and then you can get armor upgrades and stuff that that improve those spawn times even more so it's it's a real power fantasy sort of experience where they go here's some fun toys to destroy some things go nuts um but what they've done this time they've actually added a really cool roguelike end game uh now this seems to be a bit of a thing at the moment with triple a studios using a, like a roguelike system to to add more content uh, tiny tina did it uh far cry 6's dlc was all roguelikes based on previous bad guys um so you had to Prey like, did moon crash didn't they yeah moon moon crash or something yep. like that so it, it's kind of a thing now this is probably the best implementation of it because it actually gives you more story and more lore because you're exploring this location in this roguelike that is central to this previous uh, civilization's life. And by exploring this roguelike and, and learning more, you uh, you actually learn a lot more about them and it's quite interesting. So they've done it in a really cool way that you can just you know absorb more of what the game has to offer while in offering some really good battles like some really well thought out and designed it's not a it's not you know rng at all it's it's clearly been designed and you add that to the tier levels which that uh outriders has a very cool difficulty system which encourages people to push their skill levels so you you've got 30 different difficulty levels essentially for the game and you have to earn the right to move up them so as you play and get better at one difficulty level the next one unlocks and you can stay at the one you're on or you can go to the next one and if you go to the next one everyone gets harder but you get better rewards you get better loot you know everything you know gets a bit better and and it gradually goes in so it's this real uh encouraging way for people to, to to push to their limits um and you, you will get to a limit playing solo. You won't be able to get to 30 if you're just uh, by yourself unless you get some really mad min-maxing guide to your armor or, you know, something like that. But, uh, yeah, it's it's designed... Those higher levels are really designed for three people uh, and that's a lot of fun. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I think I topped out at about level 13, level 14 as a solo player. Um, and I, I probably could push higher, but you know, that's where it sort of was becoming a bit more frustrating than fun. Uh, but that's a lot of levels up until then. Uh, and each level you get a bonus, you get some new weapons and all that sort of thing. So it's, it's this kind of cool system. And that with the roguelike makes it pretty replayable. Like I, I played it a lot. I played it probably more than the main campaign, which is about five hours, I guess. Um, to the point I finished it at level 11, I finished the roguelike uh level 12 sorry and uh you get a really cool teaser for what's coming next and and they so it's worth doing and it's worth getting to the end so the boss battles in this are sensational some of the best boss battles i've ever seen in a video game the the final boss in the story is just awesome uh i had so much fun with that boss battle it was just the right amount of challenging uh 
with mixed with you know pattern recognition and well designed it wasn't just you know so many boss battles especially final boss battles these days seem to be a bit of a letdown but this i actually played it straight away again i went back and redid it again on a higher level because I, I really wanted to play that again it was just really well thought out no spammy moves like it was skill based everything was designed to be skill based so you could beat it if you were skillful there was no cheap moves from the boss there was no instant kills from the boss that sort of thing so much better than the the boss battles in in the main game. Um, some of those got a bit spammy, spammy and cheat, cheaty sort of. But yeah, I, I really, really had a good time with it, and I think they're doing a deal where you can buy the base game and the expansion now for one price, which is I think slightly cheaper than what it was when it came out. So um, it's not a bad deal, uh, you know, especially if you can pick it up on sale and you get enough, you'll probably get the whole thing for. 50 bucks sort of thing and there is a lot of game there for for 50 dollars so don't don't read those negative reviews on steam that say there's nothing to do and they've got (laughs) 200 hours next to their name (laughs) 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 there's no end game you played it for 200 hours man you know (laughs) i think you got your money's worth yeah (laughs) there's lots of those on steam so ignore those um but yeah it's worth checking out if you like a gears of war style thing with um cool powers and it's 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 a lot of fun, I think, and I think the future of this franchise, you know, obviously depending on sales, is is quite strong, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun to explore it more if they get the chance to do a sequel or or explore it in another expansion or something. Yeah, it's interesting for sure. I actually don't hear really anyone talk about Outriders, which is always a bit of a mm. nervous thing for me. Um, I kind of hope they do because it, it does like the way you're describing it does yeah. seem really interesting and like if someone's looking at Steam and they don't know anything about it because no one's talking about it yeah. all they're going to see is that bevy of um, negative reviews and it's just going to be completely overwhelming yeah. so they've got a hell of a road to get uh, road do. ahead if they want to make this game work but um, I kind of hope they do because I think more stuff in uh, like the that type of space is actually really interesting to see so yeah and there's a lot of really original things with it and i i think when the the original game first came out there was a game breaking bug that didn't help things uh so that kind of got it off to the really rough start that it seen you know so partially that's people people getting fire's fault you know there was a bug there but i think a lot of it was marketing it was marketed very poorly for a game Mm of this caliber and that falls on square enix to be honest because it's their their property and they're they're in charge of the marketing and let's face it they haven't exactly got the best reputation for marketing yeah, i was gonna say <laughs> square enix and confusing marketing say it ain't so <laughs> all right then we might have a break now we're gonna go and get a drink uh, refresh our voices and we'll be back to talk food in video games don't go anywhere enjoy the music Tim's going to find something I guess food related there's a challenge for you Tim find something food related and he'll and then we'll be back and talking about video games There's always been quite a lot of connections between food and video games, from eating mushrooms and bin chickens to complex recipes involving finding the perfect ingredients in game. Food has been more integral to gaming than anyone ever would have thought. And with that in mind, I thought it'd be fun to explore food and games in a fun way. So we're going to start off with a simple one, and I'm going to hit you up first, Jason. What was the first game you thought of when you found out about this topic and why? I'm Fantasy 14. Final Fantasy fourteen. Uh, yep. Yeah. Um, it's, I, I mean, obvi- uh, I put a lot of time into Final Fantasy fourteen. Um, I've got the cookbooks. 
Um, I read the lore, I do all of that stuff, and I spend a lot of time in that game cooking, thinking about food. Like, it's an important part of, like, the entire part of your, like, experiences. Hey, you're going out, you're leveling, make sure you got your food. You're going into a raid, make sure you got your food. Um, but other than that, even, like, when I'm decorating a house, I usually make it a bar or a cafe or something similar. Uh, like, food is just such a big part of that game, and there's so many different meals in that game, and each one is designed... Um, like in its own way like um for example there's i think there's probably about 450 different dishes in that game and each has got unique ingredients things like that like it's not the most it's not up to the standard of which i set other games to when it's like cooking them up mm. it's just like a very basic crafting system but like food is so big in that game and it's just awesome to like always see it and i love doing the culinary and quests more than anything they're just so much fun um, so yeah, it's definitely the first thing that comes to mind whenever I'm thinking about it. Oh, nice. I actually thought of Final Fantasy 15 because the the whole oh, yeah. you know, and they they presented these dishes in such a kind of enticing way. You're like, yeah, I'd have a crack at that. Why not? You know, yeah, weird really ingredients. Like sure. The, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it like really played into the whole aesthetic of it as well because of like this like uh, road trip and like the way those. Um, the pictures of the food are you're like it feels like you're sitting down to like a diner menu and you're like oh this is so cool yeah i i, I really dug that vibe yeah that's very cool all right steven same question what have you got for us oh have we lost steven we have in that are he's staring very blankly oh, at us? he's back he's back with us <laughs> i'm back he's back that's all right the wonders of technology fucking internet um Steven, same question. <laughs> uh, Yakuza, easily. Yakuza. The Yakuza series. Yep. That's no shock. Uh, no. <laughs> Food and drink. Food and drink, yes. Yeah. Now, the, Tim was explicitly telling me about the restaurants in Yakuza and how they're obviously based on real-life counterparts. Um, well, if anyone wants to dig through the Player 2 archives, you can see my one of my trips to Japan. I spent some time uh, in the area that inspired uh, some... Well, all of the areas that inspired the location of the Yakuza games. And a lot of it is, like, it's basically they've just grabbed photo reference and they're just recreating those streets. A lot of the lo things that are there are actually there in real life. Yeah. And if I guess they couldn't get the license, then it's like the Aldi version of some of those locations in a way. <laughs> well, Tim, Tim went on to say that there's no way that beef bowl place is as good as Kiru makes out. Um, no, but oh, yeah. so, no, some of those places you go there because it's literally, you'll spend 10 bucks and feed both of you with yeah. a drink. So <laughs> like, he did not... say, however, the back alley, uh, ramen place might very well be that good. <laughs> oh yes. The, the smaller, the less space there is for people to eat at and the more dingy and out of the way it is, the better it's probably going to taste. <laughs> That's actually true in, uh, in Australia as well. Like I, there's actually a, a couple of burger places and coffee shops near me that are hole in the wall diners and stuff like that and they're amazing yeah yeah because they don't have all the overheads to worry about they can just cook mm. nice food yeah but yeah uh, yakuza for me i was always going to think about yakuza um because i've you know become such an addict over the recent history um but i i love the way it treats food as it's not like i guess essential to the game but it is really cool to interact with in the game and you know, it's an easy way to get health and all those sort of things, but there are some genuine benefits in, in a lot of the games in, in eating. You get XP in some of the games, some of the different versions of Yakuza, you get XP. Um, drinking in Yakuza is something you can do and it gives you a bonus to your strength, but it also means you're more likely to get accosted as you're walking through the street by random thugs. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, apparently you're yeah, a target I when you're drunk. Um, <laughs> I think that it's also because like eating and even convenience stores is such a um, big part of Japanese culture that they kind of have to bake it into those games that are huge slice of lifey, like realistic ish games. Not that I'd consider Yakuza super realistic, but you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> it, it just captures the locations much more accurately. And I think it is, you know, it, it does give those games like a, a slightly higher sense of realism in amongst all of the, the drama that's going on. Yep. You know, you can just duck into a little restaurant and, you know, tick a few 
meals that you haven't tried off your checklist. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you got to you got to get those bonuses for f- finishing the entire the entire menu at the restaurant. Work out the secret yeah. combos. Yeah, yeah, to get the bonus. That was in uh, Like a Dragon, wasn't it? Yeah, they did that. <laughs> and I, I like because it's actually. Oh, you go. No, I was just gonna say I like how they always include like when they've gone to different cities then you know most of it's at tokyo of course but when they've gone to yokohama and and hiroshima and that they've always included like local dishes and local kind of area regional kind of flavors and they make a point in saying that so it's good for someone like me that's unfortunately never been to japan as much as i'd like to um or you know doesn't have a massive history with the food and where it comes from in japan it's nice to have these little things where you go to you go to a different city and they always talk about there's some it always works its way in somehow that you know this food is the specialty of the region and you know this is why it's amazing and yeah yeah i I like that sort of cool almost like anthony bourdain stuff thrown in there Uh, i totally agree that plays out when you visit there as well. You go to Hiroshima and they're like, you've got to try the ekonomiyaki yeah. in Hiroshima. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> well, for me, um, the first one I thought of actually was Sleeping Dogs. Um, it's because of pork buns. Because of pork buns. <laughs> <laughs> I think <laughs> the actual connection between pork buns is forever seared into my head because of sleeping dogs i can't walk yeah. past a place that sells pork buns without thinking of sleeping dogs now <laughs> and like food's not yeah. nothing in that game except a health mechanic yeah uh but those pork bun salesmen they're pushy bastards <laughs> yeah. and it's also like um like with yakuza it's so baked into the culture um that it's like it's synonymous. Like yeah. uh, Sleeping Dogs is such a weird game because it was such a flash in the pan. Yeah, yeah. But it's such a cult classic now. And again, the pork buns from that are just so um, <laughs> so synonymous with the game now. It's wild. It is. It is like wild. If, if if you are hosting a video game food themed event at your house, you so I would definitely think pork buns are going to be on the menu. <laughs> I've got to learn how to make bow. Probably actually, Amy makes the bow dough pretty well so might be her doing it <laughs> but uh yeah i'll do the pork she can do that um but yeah that's i mean that's that's kind of some examples of food in games and you know there's other big games that like have big food components like breath of the wild's got a huge like cooking and, and food component there's actual cooking games you know like you got cooking mama and and you've got uh what's the sorry i've, I've just had a blank the chef one that you want to punch your mate playing with uh, overcooked, uh, oh, overcooked. Yeah. <laughs> and you know right back in the day there used to be like that burger game on the atari if you're really old like me yeah. you might remember it and you you had to put mm-hmm. them in order and all the different components so cooking in games has uh been around for a very long time but it gets a bit weird when they start adding real places into video games uh it was mentioned to me that Seeger actually paid coca-cola for permission to use Coca-Cola in Shenmue. Uh, <laughs> so it wasn't even an ad from Coca-Cola. And you would you would assume most of these actual ingra- in-game tie-ins like Monster in Death Stranding and, and, you know, I think KFC and Pizza Hut were in Crazy Taxi and things like that. You, you assume that they're a deal as an advertising thing, but it's not always the case. They actually pay to get real-life brands in these, in these games. And I found that quite amazing uh any noticeable any notable sorry examples that you can think of where it's just felt odd to see a real life like monster in death stranding i think is the oddest inclusion but yeah i think if it's if it's like a not supposed to be a realistic representation of the world and then it is kind of shoehorned in there like shenmue makes sense and all of the product placement in yakuza makes sense because those are you know real locations in those locations you can go to and they're having to probably skirt around some legal things and obviously there are certain elements that they haven't got a license for so they do their aldi knockoff version of whatever it is but i think like being able to go to a bar and order a jack daniels or you know an asahi or something like that totally makes sense but yeah if you're cruising around in some sort of weird kojima post-apocalyptic environment and you whip out a can of mother it it pulls you out of the experience a little bit it is it is very odd um and it's not even kind of explained from memory from what i play with it's just kind of there right there's a there's a psp 
Japan exclusive version of everybody's golf that is Coca-Cola themed that was could only be obtained by drinking Coca-Cola and winning a competition and winning a copy of it. Now, uh, I have a copy of it, not a physical copy, but yeah. I have a copy of the <laughs> of the game itself. And the clothes are Coca-Cola themed. The clubs are Coca-Cola themed. There's Coca-Cola stuff branded all around the courses and things like that. So that wow. is, you know, like a, another weird, interesting tie-in where it's, you know, it's basically everybody's golf one on the PSP, but they've swapped out everything and plastered Coca-Cola all over it. But <laughs> if you have an actual copy of that game, it is apparently worth bank. I'm sure it would be those dodgy Hungry Jacks games or Burger King sorry for uh, yeah. uh, that came out like 360 sneaking yeah yeah 360 yeah. era yeah and they they, uh, and they never came out here I think that was the US only yeah and there was yep. there was like a limited run of, of physical versions of it and most yeah. people got the like kind of download code for Xbox Live or something for it yeah and yeah apparently they're worth huge money now if you can get one of those physical ones for a dodgy tie-in Burger King game where you sneak around and I don't know what you yeah. have to do steal burgers or something I think so yeah <laughs> it was the Doritos was one that they gave to everybody yeah it was actually pretty good honestly I played that it was okay it was okay, it was okay. Pe- Pepsi Man on the original Pepsi PlayStation Man. yes yes Ch- Chester Cheeto guy had its own game too didn't he yeah yeah and that was just trash but that yeah, mild I mean, skateboarding game that you got free way back in the day. That was probably an Australian exclusive. Yes. Mm. Yeah. The, <laughs> the, the interesting tie in between like takeaway joints and video games has always kind of been there. Like Pizza Hut and Domino's have always done video game promotions. Uh, yeah, I think um, Subway did a promotion with um, Uncharted, yeah. if I recall correctly, and they were doing the um, multiplayer trailers for Uncharted, and they were having Drake eating Subway meals, if I recall correctly. <laughs> oh, Lord. Weird. <laughs> things Weird people times. do for sponsorship money, right? But yeah. with that in mind, are there games that you feel like kind of represent food culture really well and I, I mean we've talked about a couple already with with yakuza um and and kind of the joy of cooking because it kind of it's leading me to where we're getting to the point of actually cooking some of these dishes we see in games and and that's become a bigger thing so i think you know for example monster hunter uh it's also well known for the for the where the cat's cooking your dinner and you and you see the cool you know routine where they all dance and present something you know, some raw ingredients and he puts the cloche over it and then pulls it up and it's already cooked. Uh, yep. <laughs> but, you know, uh, I think, is there is there anything like that that makes you want to go out and just try to cook it? Do you, do you, do you see something in game and go, I really want to have a crack at that in real life? Yeah, um, specifically around Monster Hunter, actually, I have been craving since I started playing Rise, making a batch of Dunga mm. uh, because everything in that game is Dunga. Um, I haven't gotten around to it, but it is something I definitely want to do. I'm actually a bit of a collector of video game cookbooks where I can get them. Um, the Final Fantasy fourteen one is super yeah. duper good, but there's a couple of other ones I like that, like the um, Medieval Dynasty one and things like that. Um, yeah, did yeah, they, they do an Elder Scrolls or a, was it an Elder Scrolls? They did an Elder Scrolls cookbook as well. Yeah, and there's a um, Destiny. I haven't tried it yet, well. but I'm excited for it. Destiny one was actually pretty good. Mm. Cold Slaw was like- a bit weird, but. I don't really want a Fallout cookbook. That's not as appetizing. No, there is one. There is one. Rad scorpion Fallout, you know. (laughs) Am I going to catch all these rats? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Just leave some of your other food out. It's fine. How do I irradiate them? (laughs) (laughs) Well, for people that have um, not followed Player Two for a long time, we did a big thing on cooking last year with uh, because uh, Elder Scrolls had a, a. hot sauce of oblivion that they released for elder scrolls online and so we did a bunch of recipes you know based around that hot sauce um i think one or two of them were were from video games but yeah it it was good fun and i i really enjoy like looking at games for inspiration on something to cook i think like i said final fantasy is good at it because they present food in such an appetizing way yakuza is really good at it it presents food in a really appetizing way uh, but I'm trying to think of more that, that kind of just make me want to go out there and, and cook what's in there and, and give it a 
a, a red hot go, you know. Obviously, without yeah, fantasy um, ingredients. <laughs> yeah, one of the games I think of the most. Um, I actually wrote an article about this. Uh, I think it's a passion for cooking and games, if I recall correctly, for Player Two. Yep. Um, so if you're interested in that, go read it. Um, I, one of the games I think about the most is Cook, Serve, Delicious, which is you're literally a line cook on, and it's just people coming through and ordering, you know, pretty standard food. Um, and you're just like making it day in, day out for like different people. And they, everyone has it their own way. And like they have their burger or their lasagna or their fries or whatever their own way. I've, I've made a, I, uh, sometimes we, um, I used to do, uh, theme nights for my wife where we'd like do, um, cooking around a certain theme. Um, and I did one for cook, serve delicious. And it was absolutely awesome having our like freedom fries and burger and shakes and stuff like that. And like little miniature, um, uh, puddings and uh, trifles in a shot glass and things like that. It was like really, really cool. Uh, Cook so delicious just does it in such a beautiful way as well. Like it's, it, it's, it's a celebration of like um, your diner class food, and I think that's really awesome and really approachable for everyone as well. So yeah, while nice. the steam sale is on, go pick up Cook so delicious. Cook I guess delicious. Yeah, yeah. You're cooking, cooking. The actual game is cooking. So I guess if that doesn't inspire you. Uh, mm. there's, there's not much that's going to are we are we I gonna guess, see oh sorry Stephen go I was gonna say, I guess for me like a lot of the games I've played with food it's fairly abstracted like it is a lot of these JRPGs and things like that so I know the trail series has a lot of cooking in it like there's there's oh, regional yeah. there's regional recipes and you you want to try to complete your cookbook because that gives you bonus points into the game and some of the i guess the buffs that the food can give you is really worthwhile and then you can have every party member cook but each party member is better at different dishes than the other party members you've got to figure out which one is going to hit you know the best version of that meals so each recipe has like three different levels of the the quality and the first one is absolute dross nobody wants to eat it the next one's you know you're pretty standard it's fine and then there's the like the the king tier person and once you figure out who is like the the best at cooking that particular dish it becomes their specialty and they'll churn out the best version of that dish for you and you've got to get all your ingredients from your monsters and other things or go to you know the general store and buy your salt and your eggs and all the other things you need to put into the recipe so it's pretty like baked into the game um but uh yeah it's it's still fairly abstracted like it's just the kind of thing where it's you know it's a menu and the voice actor does some, you know, VO and there's some chopping sounds and other things. And then it's, there's a, a meal at the end. I actually yeah. really love uh, in the trials, uh, uh, trial series. They also like, you have these, you know, these little skits around uh, um, like what type of food you've had and why, and like, did it turn out bad? Are you eating ice cream in the middle of the ice or whatever? And people complaining about like where they're eating the food as well, which I think is super cool. Do you think, yeah, the, do you think the, there will ever be a game that, you know, I guess tries to capture the joy? Like, I, I thoroughly enjoy cooking, and uh, anyone that's ever followed me on Twitter will know that I, I really like to cook. Um, but I, I'm just wondering if there'll ever be an attempt at making a game that tries to capture that joy. I mean, there's been a lot of simulator-style games, and I'm pretty sure there's some dodgy, shitty cooking ones as well. Um, but... So oh, the, do, do we ever think there's going to be something that captures, you know, or at least tries to genuinely capture and not just be a cheap cash in uh, the joy of cooking, I guess? Do, I think it'd be such a difficult thing to pull off and to yeah. make it, to capture that and translate that into game mechanics. Yeah. I think it would be really odd. I can think of lots of examples where it's obviously not like the the weird Senran Kagura like some <laughs> cooking game that they made where as you yeah something weird like that as you as you win obviously it's a center and cairo game so the clothes start disappearing off the <laughs> the opposite chef the better you cook and things like that it's <laughs> it's it's very odd so depending on what kind of joy you're trying to get from cooking maybe yeah. that would <laughs> maybe that would uh serve your service your needs but I mean, yeah, it's joyful in a different way, but I guess. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, for me, that's that's one. Like, I think that would be a good idea. Like, obviously, Overcooked tries to look at 
you know, what can be the sheer chaos of a kitchen yeah. with too many people in it. And Cooking Mama is very much an arcade, you know, throwback yeah. to that sort of thing. Um, I like I like the core mechanic of that Senran Kage game. I think a rhythm game built around cooking is a fun idea. Yep. Um, yeah, but I, I don't know if anything will can really translate to mm. that it's it's such a sensory based experience that i don't know if you know anything yes. can quite capture the sounds and the smells and the flavors and all you know the heat coming off a pan and all of those other little elements that combine to you know make it such a joyful experience i, I think the well, biggest I think challenge the other... sorry is to yeah. equal the i think for me I, probably the biggest thing about cooking is not only that I enjoy what I eat, it's but that watching others enjoy what you eat. And I think yep. out of all the things to capture, that would be the hardest. Um, you know, yeah. there's a lot of difficult challenges there. If they were to make a game that tries to encourage cooking. Um, but yeah, I think getting the satisfaction of someone enjoying what you've cooked is the hardest thing to replicate virtually obviously because you know our brains aren't wired to believe the video game screen with the bloke going mm, this is yum you know <laughs> hey that could work you can make an fmv game <laughs> oh god imagine <laughs> but you're right and um, i think i think for a lot of people like the a lot of the like you said the joy of cooking is being able to provide the food to other people i don't know about you guys but like I know for myself, generally, if I'm just cooking for myself, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not going all out. It's going to be something pretty basic. But if I'm cooking for other people, yeah, then that's a very much a different story. Yeah, hundred percent. I'm the inverse. Um, I'll cook really nice food for other people, but if it's only cooking for myself, I'm going to make something weird. It yeah, might be great, try something, yeah. but it might not be. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'd rather only have to suffer through that myself. That's 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 <laughs> when you get experimental. You you do yeah. something weird and go whoop. Guess I'm using menu log tonight. It didn't quite work out. <laughs> it's like, yeah, Breath of the Wild when you get the bad <laughs> recipe music. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dom, dom, dom. <laughs> yeah, 100%. All right. There's we only might um, one game I think of, yep. actually. Sorry. Go. Uh, there is one game I think of when it comes to cooking itself. Um, a tiny little game um, uh, called Chef. And what that game actually taught me because it, you have to, you don't get like set recipes or anything like that. You have to set the menu yourself and you're running a restaurant and all of the ingredients, you can source low quality ingredients, medium quality ingredients or high quality ingredients and there's cost associated with that. But every bit of, um, every piece of ingredient has certain elements to it that are interesting like for example you might make a dish and you're like okay this needs a little bit more like brightness or a little bit more picante um, flavor or something like that and you're like oh i need to add a little bit more chili i need to add a little bit more lemon and so you're adapting these dishes on the fly it's actually the game that inspired me the most to um start really playing around with my food i guess like to actually try like tasting things and saying okay, this needs more salt, this needs more pepper, this needs more garlic, something like yeah. that, um, and really fiddling around with it. So it's another, it's only a tiny little game. It's, it's f- for me, it's kind of more of a proof of concept of just like looking at it and going, oh, okay, yeah, I see what they're trying to do here. It's not that great a game itself, yeah. but really Sounds like a, a, almost like a business space. management sim. It is. Spin. Yeah, yeah. It is, yeah. Yeah. No, that, that, that'd that be a cool, like if fleshed out, I think a chef business management where you... Like even in the in the vein of theme hospital or not theme hospital, mm. what are they? What's two point hospital now? You know, theme hospital yeah. showing my age. But you know, if they did a a kind of inspired thing like that, that would be quite cool. And you gradually progress to bigger and better restaurants, and and you, and you run the thing. Yeah. That that'd be very cool. I think it was actually one of my. I, I was so excited when Cooking Simulator got launched on Steam because I'm looking at it and going, "Oh, this looks so cool!" You know, you can do all this stuff. Like you're sitting there and chopping stuff and things like that. And then I look at it and I'm like, oh, okay, they're actually like leaning into the kitchen is chaos. Like, yeah. oh, it's gonna something's gonna explode if you leave it on for too long. And like, it's kind of hard to like pour stuff into yeah. um, the pot and things like that. And I'm like, that is not what I want from me. If this was like legitimately like just enjoying cooking, just like really cathartic, just chop, chop, chop. 
make a nice dish that'd be amazing but that's not what it is tragically no although you, you've got seen the two two type of games with the word simulator on the end you've got the ones yeah. that want to actually try and simulate the real life thing and then you've got the ones that are goat simulator <laughs> yeah <laughs> cooking simulator seems to be leaning in the goat simulator direction <laughs> yeah it was actually one of the um really cool things about the uh, steam next fest is that there was a ton of like really interesting food games on there and i could just like pick them up try them out and have a look at some weird things yeah. um and there is a lot of like like i think with um ironically i think with covid a lot more people are like thinking about food a bit more because like they either had to fend for themselves or they had to like really rely on fast food and they're like oh i can't eat the same thing day in day out i've got to like actually step this up and i think people are kind of flocking to that food culture as part of that which is really cool to see yeah it is and i think we're lucky here in australia especially to have access to such good ingredients at a, as a base level yeah. like our quality of our cheapest cut of meat is you know better than 90 percent of the planet you know so um we've got super high quality ingredients here in australia so it makes it very cool to see yeah, we're everyone really experimenting all right last thing i've got on my list for the night I mean, it's probably where we end things up here but i wanted to talk about the effect of food and drink in video games it's often an easy crutch to a, a quick health pick me up um I, I mentioned bin chicken in kind of the opening paragraph because that was the running joke in every street fighter beat em ups sorry not street fighter like final fight or, you know, yep. Streets of Rage, you'd bash a bin open and you'd eat a conveniently roasted chook in... <laughs> a full roast chicken. A full just roast chicken, in the just hiding in the bin. <laughs> and then your health would become... Or Mario eats a mushroom and he gets bigger and, uh, you know, those sort of things. And I, I, I find it funny that there's this kind of immediate, every video game ever, food equals health. Uh, <laughs> eating the dog food in uh, Wolfenstein or you know things like that so i i wonder if now that we're getting the point of games like final fantasy and um like yakuza that food is becoming more than just an easy way to represent health in a video game uh, i think there's some genuine thought going into it now I, I don't think it's just a throwaway line unless you're playing you know a classic 2d style game i think big big triple a games now look at food in a, bit, a different way yeah, yeah, I think they do. Um, there is two types of games specifically that I super duper love. Um, one is survival games, and the other one is like your city builder or automation games. And like, it's become such a prevalent part of those games. Like, I've, I've been playing Green Hell a bit recently, and you can't just eat to survive. You've got to like be managing your macronutrients. You've got to be thinking about, hey, what am I actually putting in my body? Am I getting enough water? Am I getting enough proteins? Am I getting enough fiber, et cetera? Which yeah. is like really, really cool to see. Um, the other part of that is that um, for those automation type games, like people accept a def default level of food for a certain amount of time, but then over time you start wanting better and better stuff, like more complicated stuff. And I think that's, I think that's actually like a really fascinating look at society on the whole in general, because like that's exactly what people are like. Like you'll see people that will survive on like pot noodle or cup noodle or whatever for like a really long time but then over time yep. you'll just like go i don't want that anymore i want something better, better like yeah. i want something that's a bit more nourishing for me on the whole yeah well along with that is drinking um and uh, we talked about this a little bit before the show but uh drinking in video games is kind of weird it's 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 always Blurry screens used. and yeah. controls and oh now when i press left he moves right and yeah. oh he falls over every few steps you have one beer and all of a sudden you're tripping over yourself um and then all of a sudden two minutes later you're fully sober again <laughs> I, I think it'd be really interesting to see a game uh utilize i mean it'd probably fall foul of the australian ratings board for some reason <laughs> if there was like drunk simulator to that you know and actually took the idea yeah. of alcohol and and the effects it has on people and used it in an interesting way as instead of just kind of like a little handicap gimmick for a few minutes um deus ex tried to uh explain that effect in the original one by his cyber implants causing uh the instant reaction to alcohol but also the instant clear up because his systems would 
assess the problem coming into his body and then get rid of it. But I think that's the only game that's ever tried to explain the the phenomenon of alcohol in video games where it's just, you know, you tripping over things and can't control them. Yeah, it's a tough one for sure because, like, there's this line in video games where yeah. people don't necessarily want to cross it. They're like, I want something to be fun. Yeah. I don't want something necessarily to be realistic because as soon as something, like, drunkenness, like, at an absolute level of drunkenness is not fun. It's not no. fun to be around drunk people most of the time. It's not fun to be drunk most of the time. Um, and especially when you wake up the next morning and you're, like, completely hungover. Um, it's just an awful experience. And I don't know if necessarily if people want that in their games. Um, it would be fascinating to see. Yeah. Um, but again, like you said, we would definitely run afoul of the Australians rating board if it would, <laughs> was done in a positive light. But if it wasn't done in a positive light, people would bitch and moan about it. Yes. Yeah. It's, it seems really awkward uh, that they keep including it in video games, but never try and do it realistically. Mm. And then... If they were to do it realistically, then they'd probably get in strife, which is, it's, it's, it's an odd situation to be in. It is. And it sort of reminds me, if you try to do something similar to the Fallout games where you can develop a dependency mm. and then you, you know, it, you could do something along those lines, I suppose, with alcohol or, you know, those sort of survival games where you're having to manage it. Obviously, you know, Fallout had its survival mode and it was very basic, you know, just have water, have food, and then you can take that next level. And I guess, like you said, at what point does it stop being a fun gameplay mechanic and it just becomes another tedious subsystem to manage? And a, a lot of RPG games tend to tie different buffs into the food as well. So, you know you're playing World of Warcraft or any sort of online MMORPG and, you know, like anyone who's really into the game will know exactly what meals they need to eat before anything they're doing because it's going to, you know, give you a buff. Um, Obviously, the Breath of the Wild did the same thing with needing to have particular foods to, you know, oh, this is so spicy, it's going to help me survive this freezing cold mountain and (laughs) (laughs) things like that. So, uh, elemental effects from foods. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) But again, I think it's a little bit tricky and, you know, yuck as a sort of does the nod where you can unlock those buffs that give you a bottomless pit for a stomach or mean that you could inject alcohol directly into your veins and it'd have no effect. (laughs) So (laughs) it's, uh, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's one of those things where you, you could push it to a certain level and it'd, reach a tipping point where it's not particularly fun. And I think we've already, you know, stated that for a lot of us, that tipping point is, you know, the wonky controls and the shaky vision and all those other things. Like it's, it's not enjoyable. It just makes the next few minutes of that frustrating. Yeah. 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 It is a really, really tough one to deal with for sure. Um, There is one game I think about a little bit when it comes to alcohol and it's, um, it's actually a game I completely fell across. It would never come into my purview, so don't judge me too harshly. But it's called um, House Party, and okay. it is a uh, intimate game, um, oh, so to speak. Right. Uh, but it is honestly hilarious and well written and everything like that. And it's just about a guy that goes to a party and everyone like there's one guy that's um, is kind of acting as the bouncer and he's like stashed away all the alcohol. And um, I think it does well in the alcohol department because there's not that much of it there but people use it as a social lubricant and i think that's kind of where alcohol comes in really well like people loosen up a little bit and let their inhibitions a bit looser but if you drink too much you are in for a terrible time um in that game and i think that's i think that's actually nails it in that regard um weird game but yeah definitely do try it house party okay well on that slightly uh adult note (laughs) we might leave our discussion there as always we've uh, had fun chatting about these kind of weird little things in video games but uh, I think as we go on just to kind of sum it all up more and more games are are looking at food you know I guess in a in a a more real manner and and how important food is to most people in real life and replicating that in video games is obviously the next step as as they they try to make things that people with connect, can connect with and connect their lives with in these fantastical worlds that we that we dive into it's, for fun. It's just such a shorthand for creating culture as well. Yeah. And it, oh, it's, yeah, gosh. 
a I really easy way to say I'm in Japan now because I've got you know ramen or whatever mm. it might be or beef giant yeah. beef balls <laughs> yeah like it's even like it's a, it kind of reminds me of a game um coffee talk where it's talking about like it's about the culture of a coffee shop yeah. like everyone sits down there and they you know they sit down and they have a chat and everything like that and it's just like all that culture around food but yeah. that's another story for another time it is thank you for joining us jason on your first ever pixel cast where can people find you what have you been up to uh uh, I am on Twitter uh, at Pesma. Um, multiple things to say on this. Uh, send me your good recipes. Send me your food and ga- uh, food and drink game recommendations. And uh, always, if you can, support local uh, because your local farmers, your local growers, and especially your local coffee shops and whatnot they they love your business and they should have it. Um, yeah, I've been playing a lot of Monster Hunter recently, so look forward some, to some content about that. And, uh, yeah, you'll see some other articles on me uh, on Player 2. Awesome. And, Stephen, you're part of the furniture now, but, you know, <laughs> where can people find you? <laughs> uh, player 2, mostly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Gorath44000 on Twitter, or if you want to see some board game stuff, no underscore shelf control on um, Twitter as well. Excellent. I love that name. (laughs) (laughs) It is a good... You're lucky that handle still existed. Yeah. I know. Yeah, that's really cool. It's not a joke either, people. I have a problem. (laughs) (laughs) And you can find me at Huso81 uh, on Twitter or Player2AU if you want to follow the Player2 Twitter channel. There's less swearing on that one, more swearing on mine. Uh, (laughs) And the last thing I've got up is the, the World Slayer review... Uh, I will have an MX versus ATV review coming up when I can finally drag myself to review that bloody thing. I'll give you the hot tip. Don't buy it. It's terrible. Uh, You can drag yourself to drag that game. And I blame my son for that because he wanted to play it. So I was the good dad and asked for a review copy. I should not have. Uh, (laughs) I told you. He should be the one that has to review it. You do the crime. You do the time. He's a 17-year-old and no one would understand what he wrote on the paper. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Pixelcast. Make sure you head over to player2.net.au and check out everything we've got going on. There's a lot of uh, content up. We had a big week last week with lots of reviews from a wide range of writers so uh, keep an eye on that and also it's worth noting if you are a writer yourself we have now opened up paid pitches so if you've got a cool idea and you want to pitch us there is a link on the website to do so Um, it's not much but we're at the point now where we can actually pay a little bit of money which is really nice so we hope to attract some new new writers and old hands and anyone that that's got a cool idea to write a feature article then don't be don't be shy make sure you pop by and say hi But thank you for joining me and we'll catch you all on the next episode of the Player 2 Pixelcast. See ya. Bye. Peace. And we're done. Cool. Nice meeting. Yes. Sweet.